When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the New Books Network. This is Kevin Lindsay. Welcome to Systems and Cybernetics. Today, it's my pleasure to be in conversation with Marita Frichon. Marita is co-owner and CEO of CRR Global and mentor to an ever-growing community of practitioners in the field of relationship systems work. She has an international mentor coaching practice of individuals, partnerships, and teams. Her primary focus is coaching on systemic change, leveraging diversity, creative communication, deep democracy and conflict management, and the development of learning organizations. Today, we're going to be talking about her 2021 book, Systems Inspired Leadership, How to Tap Collective Wisdom to Navigate Change, Enhance at Agility, and Foster Collaboration, which she co-authored with Yut de Verde. Welcome, Rita, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Kevin. It's a wonderful opportunity to sit with you. Well, I am really looking forward to the conversation, and I would love it if we could get started with just you telling us a little bit about your background and um, your relationship with systems thinking. Let's start there. Thank you. I think that one of the things that from a systems-inspired perspective is always useful to do is to pause uh, because I think that vertical development for all of us as leaders and human beings are really important. To pause and to just think back about the events in your life that shaped where we are now. Uh, there's this wonderful Aboriginal saying um, that quotes, um, I thought I was planning but all the while I was blown across the sky by a great wind. And I think when you ask that question about my relationship with systems thinking, when I look back, having been born in South Africa during the apartheid era and growing up in the chaotic situations that were arising from that, having had a little bit of a traumatic childhood with both my parents dying when I was young. And so there was just a lot. When I look at those events, all of them pointed me beyond the individual and the individualistic, dualistic thinking, but to lift the gaze to the larger whole. So that I think that when I begin to start awakening to that, um, while I was on the faculty of uh, Cape Town University, one of the only two universities that were um, multiracial in the country and just begin to watch there how the individual action against apartheid could not move the meter. So it was the, it was the, it was the protest, it was the bigger movements um, that expressed the collective voice of the system better and differently from how any individual could final part of that story is that from a systemic perspective, it didn't change in South Africa until the global system responded and global sanctions started being leveraged against South Africa, that change began to happen. So just looking back, just about every event of my life and 
my searching for, I became a, a training junkie. I became a social worker and a medical social worker and a psychiatric social worker and a family systems therapist. And that family systems therapy piece was the piece that actually dropped me into the, oh, this is it, the theoretical pieces of that. Um, but you can see how it was that confluence of events and experiences that shaped so much of what there now is dreamt through me, through us, um, that brought us here. So also spent a lot of my uh, life traveling and working in different cultures. Spent two years on the Amazon researching what happens in the Amazonian tribes when somebody dies, the, the whole approach to death and dying, um, different from the Western world. So it was those kinds of things. Um, and what is interesting, you and I talked earlier just a little bit about coaching. I had a, a, a powerful, strong uh, coaching as well, um, uh, therapy as well as organizational coaching uh, practice uh, after I'd established here in the, in the United States. And it wasn't until I sat in the first training, coaching training that I went through uh, with the Coaches Training Institute that the penny dropped for me because it shifted from that therapeutic view of there is something um, that we need to look back in history to rectify um, that, no, there is something that's happening here that we can create from. So the, the difference in the approach between uh, what then was therapy and, and coaching just felt like it brought everything together uh, that I've studied and worked with all my life to a different kind of evolutionary process. And from there, it just blew into this big, uh, wonderful experience uh, that I hope is the legacy that I will leave behind together with a lot of people that helped shape it. No, thank you. And it, and it kind of sounds like you um, were experiencing the, the system revealing itself, which is something you also uh, write about in the book. Yes. Uh, and again, you know, it's um, uh, out of the work that, that we then started, uh, I started designing, co-designing with my partner, Faith Fuller, on relationship systems, co organization and relationship systems coaching that we really started bringing the systemic view to that. And what we set out to do was to operationalize at the time uh, that we started two decades ago, there was so much already written. When you think of Senge and, and all the systemic thinkers, there were so many um, theoretical frameworks emerging. But at that stage, people couldn't quite figure out, they read the book and then go, okay, now how do I do that? And so our, our mission was to operationalize those. Um, so through the evolution of those kinds of approaches, where we really focused on how to create systems-inspired action instead of top-down or I need to carry it alone or whatever that is, um, that I think the work emerged that, uh, that we now write about in relationship systems intelligence and in system inspired leadership so yeah well thank you for that that background and i i, I i've noticed that 
Um, a lot of people I talk to here on this channel have similar stories, similar um, pathways, you know, obviously very different and very unique, but similar in that there were a lot of different kinds of experiences um, and opportunities to look at those connections over, over time that kind of led them to this place of, hey, this is, this is very much um, a way of looking at the world that could be useful in, in a lot of different ways, whether it's um, leadership um, or, or other, other things that we're trying to, to tackle. But on the topic of leadership, um, I think I mentioned to you, I was, I was super interested in, to, to look at this book um, because of my own interest in, in leadership. Uh, I have been in you know, what we would call a traditional leadership role uh, for many years in, in, in my work in that I have managed teams. I have been responsible for um, bringing things to market. I have, have needed to engage in what we often call horizontal leadership. Um, and, and I encouraged you know, teams today um, to, to do the same, to think of leadership in a very um, uh, flexible way, one, one that includes everybody. But I, I would love you to talk for a few minutes about maybe the reason for this book, why we need to be having this conversation. What are some of the, the things that we're just kind of thinking about really badly when it comes to leadership? And why is this such an important time for us to be really rethinking um, what leadership means? That's a great question. And how to talk about that in a couple of minutes is a big challenge. Take your time, <laughs> I, as much time know, as you I like. Know, I know. Um, I think that when we begin to think about systems-inspired leadership, um, it's really important to know that we have looked at systems-inspired leadership through the lens of the five principles of relationship systems intelligence. One of those principles states that leadership is a role that belongs to the system. And that then becomes the whole way in which we need to look at the team that we manage, the organization that we're in, wherever it is. Um, how do we hold the voices of the Anybody that makes a comment, how do we hold that as an expression of the system? Um, and that's the place where when something like that happens, um, if I begin to think of any of those expressions as systemic events, then we begin to tap into um, how do we then use that voice. And we cannot satisfy all of it, but I think to the extent that we can allow equity in expression, uh, we begin to move somewhere. And if we think from that, I will never forget one of the strongest examples, uh, impactful in my life, of that I think I mentioned in the book as well, um, was that we have a very fixed role of leadership. But I remember a significant event decades ago when I was um, together with Arnold Mandel, the uh, leader and creator of the Process Institute in, um, in Portland. Um, when we were doing a world work, a week of world work, um, and we were working with, you know, global present things as happening. And there were like, I think we were 
around 300 people there and a number large number of us were the i was one of the assistants that were facilitating deep uh, democracy processes and stuff and we were in this um uh, uh, retreat center um in stuss in switzerland and we did you know a lot of work and so a whole week of it. And towards the end of the week, I think it was the second last day, we got involved in a deep democracy process that just blew up. I mean, people were screaming. There was a lot of upset. Nobody could, we just, we could not. We only 12, 300 people in the process. And there was no way with Ani or Amy, myself, everybody else, that we could not settle that system. And into the room that we occupied, wandered, uh, I think she must have been eight or nine years old, um, child that had clearly had some neurological function, dysfunctioning or something happening. And she walked in. I don't even know where she came from, but she walked in and started going around in this chaotic field and just touching people and going, shh, it's okay. Shh. Literally five minutes into it, that Down syndrome, eight, nine-year-old could do what 12, 13 of some of the most experienced leaders could not achieve. That is what we're talking about, that the leadership insight and capacity can show up at any time through anybody. And that's what we need to harvest and look for. Hmm. Wow, that is a great story and a fascinating example. Um, you know, it's it, it reminds me of, you know, when you talk about, and maybe you could, you could um, tell our listeners what the acronym VUCA stands for, um, but um, it, it, it sounds like there was some of that maybe. Absolutely. <laughs> um, in in and, that room. Yeah, yeah. And during, and during COVID, we added an extra C to VUCA as well, because that extra C was for COVID. Okay, yeah, that certainly adds some um, yes, extra yes, element yes. to it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, and, um, and 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 you also say you know create from the wisdom of the system rather than react uh, is something you, you write in the in the book. And and that just the the story you were telling me just now sort of felt like maybe that's what was happening there as well. There was some... I think so. I think so. And it's also that you know one of the other principles of RSI is that. And it normalizes what is uh, happening in the VUCA world. It's normalizing what's happening politically and whatever, wherever you want to look in our globe at the moment. But that principle states that systems are in a constant state of emergence. That's normal. In modern systems thinking, we need to know that the evolution systemically occurs through constant emergence. Now, when we don't pay enough attention to what's emerging and trying to create from it, that's when it becomes an emergency. So there's something about being aware that that we are surrounded by it. I think, don't think there's anybody that will listen to this podcast that did not have some challenging, difficult situation with their team at home or on the street. It's a constant state of emergence. How do we create from it rather than react to it? And those are the things that we are looking at 
um, how do we express and how do we find that through systems right. inspired leadership? Right. So in that volatility, uncertainty, complexity, ambiguity, um, you, you do write something. I'm, I can't remember what exactly you said. I didn't uh, uh, take a note of it, but out of disruption, really, the, how what we how we benefit from that disruption. So if if COVID, um, were, you know, the C that you'd add on to the acronym, um, were that disruption, you know, what what is the emergence? What is that opportunity? Um, you know, we know it's been it's been obviously devastating. We've talked this topic to death probably as well. But you know, just in in any example where there is an opportunity in this living system for emergence. Yes. That's an interesting question because there's a, again, you know, I'm, I'm sharing some of the events that occurred for me that were sort of change points that really were soft landed that we're talking about. Um, one of the other principles of our is that each system has its own unique identity. And in systems inspired leadership, we are not looking at the individuals. Our focus is on that web of connection between people and it's that web of connection the system itself that has its own wisdom how do we tap into that so the COVID example that you use i was doing um, about six months into COVID when it was really rough and there was just so much chaos um i was doing a presentation where we were talking about leadership and the topic became COVID uh, and how, and, you know, really had to, in ventilation, allowing people to say what is bad and wrong in a controlled fashion of safety. That's something that comes from, um, from uh, mediation and some training in that as well. So we've actually created a coaching protocol that's roughly based on mediation and that ventilating allow people to ventilate is really really important so it, it, that people needing to speak their distress and everything took a lot of the time that we had took us hostage in time and then at some stage i paused everybody and asked them whether they are willing to do something different um and i often will say, I'm going to ask you to do something that might sound California woo-woo or something like that. Just bear with it. And I asked them to, for a moment, uh, we were on, you know, virtual, to for a moment sit and imagine that COVID is sitting across from them. Because COVID is a system. It has its own unique identity. Imagine that it's sitting across from you. And if you were to ask COVID... What does it want from you? Write down some notes. But be in dialogue with COVID. You've now complained and done all of that valid, but for a moment, just become curious. What does it want from us? And what is it that uh, it wants for us to observe and see that might be beneficial? So those kinds of questions. And then I had, go ahead. I, it looks like you want to interrupt. Well, well no, no, I, I guess, uh, and I should have waited for you to finish your thought, but since you, you invited me, I'll, I'll, so when you, um, 
you touched on this a few minutes ago and and you said each system does have its unique identity and i think maybe this is maybe what you're getting at now as well as this this idea of a third entity yes in the room like is is that is that what you're getting at and maybe part, just... yes and and it's the it's it's trying to at the moment we we begin to look at the third entity at the at the system that is covid we get a little bit of and and ask it questions we get a little bit of a, of a a more neutral answer. So let me share with you what came back. So came back, and at that point, my my heart was in my throat because I was like, "This may 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 or may not work out." Because there was so much anger in the room before. Um, and when people started sharing what COVID said to them, things showed up like, "Look around you. There is no smog." Look outside your on your streets. Do you see deer and wild animals walking around? And it was literally the answers that they got were all the quote-unquote good things that came from COVID. I had somebody on the call that were, you know, doing the drawings and stuff like that from what happened in the call. She created this whole drawing um, about the message from COVID coming back to us when we went into dialogue with it. One of the people said, but then I also asked that I asked, well, how long are you going to stay around? And it said, I don't know, but if I leave too soon, the new habits that you have created is not going to stick. So I'm going to have to stay around a little bit longer. And again, I've, I've done that activity of what is it that the system itself will respond to you with when you dialogue with it. So if you think of your team in a meeting, you know, there's this, there's this discord, they, there's a disagreement at some stage. It really is helpful to pause and say for a moment, let's just assign that chair over there. And that's the third entity, that's our system as a team. And anybody wants to go and sit in that chair, what does it want from us? We have done, I have done that activity in just about every culture that I can name at the moment, in large global mergers and acquisitions. You need to work up to it to give people a little bit of an on-ramping for it. But that is part of what the systems inspired answer is. It is the collective wisdom. Um, but you can't get it from the individuals. There is a place where we need to be able to go and find what is it trying yeah. to say from us. Yeah. I mean, that's it's a very hard exercise. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that... It, it would be hard because you know, it, is, it is a little bit California woo-woo. I must, yeah, I would agree with you. It's, it's, it's a little bit that, but also it, it really requires you situating yourself in something that's completely foreign. I'm, I'm not used to those shoes or I'm not used to that perspective. Um, and uh, so I can imagine it, it, it would do, it could do all sorts of things. At the same time, it could be pretty liberating because you're asking someone, you're saying, okay, I'm allowing you to leave your own hat over there and come over and wear, wear this one. 
give try that and see, let's let's see what uh what yeah, we learn. And, and again it gets easier the closer we we get so if you know in any situation where um i we have used this um to go and sit in the team chair um i can't tell you how many times when we did that uh, somebody would get up go and sit in the team chair and then once they get a little bit more sophisticated, they would go, no, wait, I've got to go back because it's still me that's coming to talk there. Uh, there really is something about that systemic, because we say that systems are in a constant state of emergence. There is some wisdom within the system that is creating the emergence. And emergence in our my moment in time is not always very friendly and happy experience for me. That's why I need to get out of my own seat. I need to, because that's when we begin to create from something rather than react to it. It's that unique third entity that is my team. What does the team say about this? Not Kevin or Marido or something. It, that, what does it want from us? Um, that usually gives us a little bit of a higher elevation, more neutral access point that we can then can take back into strategy and into a meeting. Got it. And before we go too much further, I want to make sure that um, the listeners caught something. You know, you've referred to RSI a couple of times, and I want to make sure that everyone understands that you're talking about relationship systems intelligence. Um, and in the book, you, you know, there's, there's a, there's a diagram that kind of talks about the different, the five different aspects of relationship systems intelligence. And you've been walking us through one of them, you know, that is, that is super interesting and really valuable, um, in this work. Um, what are some other aspects of, of RSI, um, that, that you feel are, are, are critical and especially in this, you know, yeah. leadership conversation? So we've talked about the one that is systems are in a constant state of emergence. That that is, that's just a quantum fact, um, and we don't always know whether emergence is taking the system down or whether it's elevating it. We don't know. We need to create from what is happening. So systems are quantum quantum uh, in a constant state of emergence. The other one we talked about is the one that I used around leadership that. Um, Every expression through the team members itself is actually a voice of the system. If you think about that there is somebody that has the role of disturber, that's the person who always comes and kick the tires. If we, re if we assume that that's not just that person, his own profile her own profile allows them to take that role. But if disturbance is a systemic reality, then we lift the gaze from the individual that is irritating to what is the system asking us to negotiate around disturbance. Can you see how what often what we collapse is a role of somebody? Actually, if it happens a number of times in different places, it's a systemic event. So that, you know, that piece that um, uh, system rely on roles for, it doesn't have a voice except through the roles and the people that express through their roles. Um, so uh, that's a really, really useful one to think about as well. Uh, and the other one that um, is not always easy to think about 
when we are in a difficult situation is that um, we hold that relationship systems are naturally intelligent and creative. In this moment in time, it may not feel right or good, but this it's this moment in time in my life in this place on the earth. There is something that will come from it. If we think just about the beginning of our, of our call, when we talked about the events that led us to the places that we are now. That's an example um, that relationship systems literally dream us, move us, because it is uh, intelligent, it is generative, it's creative. We may not like what's happening in the moment, but it is an evolutionary cycle. So, uh, you know, and again, think of these as basic principles, and then it gets more difficult when we get into the, uh, the working part of it. Um, we talked about unique identity. We talked about um, the whole expression uh, of, react, of creating from rather than reacting to emergence. Um, and we talked about roles. So I think we've talked about most of them. But those are the principles that sort of informs the competencies and the things that we are coming up with um, to create systems-inspired leadership. Thank you very much for that. I, I made a note um, uh, around the the relationship systems being naturally intelligent, generative, and, and creative. I, I love that. Um, and uh, you 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 write in that in that same part of the book around what modern that modern systems really kind of brings this uh, more of a um, a positivity i think that you know you is what you called it um and that once the system is revealed to itself that you know this the work can begin um but i also took from that that you know the expression that you sit in the fire um is one i think we all have a lot of difficulty with like you know i think about my own work situations and, um, you know, what we're, um, trying to accomplish under deadline. And, and we, we, we don't, we just don't let this happen. We don't sit in the fire. We don't take the time to, to sit in the fire. Um, what happens when we, when we don't, when we don't allow the, 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 the systems to be generative and, and creative. Yeah. I think when you ask that question, we are really looking in the direction more of our own vertical development. Uh, it really is sitting in that more of that what I talked about earlier and the consensus reality of this now, where there is a sense of helplessness, overwhelm, whatever it is. Um, and I think that's also where there is what, whether you want to call it spiritual or whatever you want to call it, but it is that there is something about um, systemic disruption that can either take us down or it can allow us to pause for long enough to get more of a meta view. Now, when somebody is shot on the street, how do you, how do you create in that moment the assumption that the system is generative, creative, um, and uh, we, in that moment we can't. So there's something about accepting and sitting with our own humanity and anger, whether it is about climate change or whether it is about um, what's happening politically or what it does. There are places where 
we in the moment may not be capable or able to bring wisdom to it, but it's also okay to not be okay, unless and until I can sit in that moment. And even if I can bring that moment to the team and say, even as a CEO, I don't know how to move forward with this. That is the role of vulnerability. I need your help. What if we can't achieve this? What if we really cannot? How do we move? Uh, so I think that there's with that comes, and that's vertical development, my own ability to own where I am helpless. Yeah, lots to talk about there. And I, I, I think this is in, in part what you were talking about um, when you wrote, part of the challenge of being a systems-inspired leader is to hold awareness of the nature and flow of systemic evolution. What wants to be left alone or to be put to rest? What is viable and what wants to grow? And just kind of understanding, um, you know, sort of where I think so many leaders just feel that they have to show up with this, you know, infallibility and just their, and I know the word vulnerable and vulnerability is used a lot right now in, in the literature and we talk about it all the time, but, but, but still being willing to, to show, I, I don't have the answer. We, we, the, this, this system that is us needs to co-create it. Um, you, um, also refer to something that, that I, I love, which is, um, uh, Keegan and Leahy's work, um, which uh, you've got uh, the the stages of adult development, and and you know th this this work. I it, when I when I got to this point in the book, I went, yeah. I mean, I I, I can see this just simply being frankly out of reach. This kind of work for a, a lot of organizations because most of us are not at the you know self transforming mind yeah. kind of level. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's where the, um, you know, just one of the ways in which we got to a third intelligence. And, you know, this is not, there are other, there are other materials around as well. But if you think about uh, EQ as my own awareness of me, and there's work that I need to do there. Uh, social intelligence, our impact on one another, there's work to do there. Systems intelligence is the place until and unless I can really do that emotional intelligence and social intelligence, it's sometimes difficult to get to be able to sit in the systemic awareness of what is here now for us as a system, not just me as Marita. And it's a it's a zigzag process of going through there and I think that's where uh, sometimes one of the competencies uh, that we bring for system inspired leadership is to talk about the ability to hear, see, and sense the system. And I, as a leader, need to be able to walk my talk on that. Um, what I'm aware of at the moment is that I am in a place where I am not sure how to move forward. That's a role modeling. Anybody else, where are you? What is it that you feel, sense in yourself? What is it that you see out? That invitation to be open to and willing to 
hear and see and sense the system. It's critical. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I um, I keep coming back to my own experiences and uh, my own um, witnessing of of structures and and, and frameworks and um, this this need to sort of reconcile how this could work and you know you spend a lot of time in in the book talking about doing this work like what it you know um what it takes to in, engage with with this work you provide lots of very practical um information on how to do that um but what advice do you have for organizations that that you know whether we're talking about governance structures or just business as usual this is how we've always done things or things of that nature that might make it difficult for systems inspired leadership to take hold yeah that's a great question uh, and again in the in the book we also build and uh, use some of the thinking of arnold mendel uh, who really came part of his work is uh, edge theory, is how whenever there's change emerging, we're up against an edge. It's actually part of our daily language. I'm at an edge here. It's very edgy to talk about this. It's That's an edge. Um, and I think the challenge that we have is so often um, when you think of that edge as that pyramid-shaped structure where the bottom part of that edge is like the no man's land. We don't know how to get from the one side of that pyramid structure to the other side because it's a no man's land. We have zero. We don't know. Um, but if you look at the tippy top of that edge, that sharp point, that's what we talk about is the minimal viable edge. What is the smallest change that we can bring about successfully now? Because we always look at the most challenging. And I think it's that piece, um, allowing us to look, we're not ready for that one yet. Uh, and again, that takes us to the, as a leader, as a team, as an organization, to that question, what is mine? What is ours to do? Because not everything is something that we can solve. Not everything is my client to work with. What is ours to do? And I think that is one of the biggest challenges that we see in this adjustment period post, well, there will be a post-COVID, but where we are now with COVID is what is it that is ours to sustain? And it's just as simple as do we go, as simple as complex as do we go back to in-person training or do we, my organization, or do we go to uh, stay with uh, virtual or do we do we do both? It's, it's, it's this period of norming and storming around new habits, new structures, organizationally, as well as personally. How do I work from home? Um, I've got a sweet, cute French bulldog. When I do these kinds of calls, I have to go and lock him in the bedroom because he snores when he goes to sleep, and I don't have a door that I can close. So all of those things are the... It's one of the reasons they talk about how there was such fatigue uh, during the first part of COVID and even now, because 
prior to COVID, we had fixed we had fixed rituals. I get up at this time, I get in the car, I drive to work. I finish this time in the afternoon, I walk down to the bus stop or the train site. There were fixed rituals. All of that got wiped. It meant that every day, all day long, we need to needed to rethink and redecide. And I think that's the piece where the hearing, seeing, sensing help us to normalize that. Who else today had a confusing kind of day because didn't quite know how to handle the kids at home school at the same time that you're sitting and eating? It's, it's normalizing through hearing, feeling, and sensing. It's normalizing through looking at conflict as the thing that actually is bringing us that which want to change. That's another competency that we are talking about. And these are, these are not easy. Um, so I think one of the other things that we don't write about that, but showing up a lot these days is to let people know that it's okay to not be okay. I had a meditation instructor years ago that had this amazing quote that I will never forget. He said, an abnormal reaction in an abnormal situation is normal. So I think that you could feel how there's a dance between the being side of who I am as a leader and the doing side of who I am as a leader. Um, and the same thing of the team in front of me. What is happening on their being side given what's going on at the moment? And what is it that we can create together from the doing side of the collective wisdom of ours? Wow. Yeah, I really appreciate that. I, I think both from uh, someone who's interviewing you here about this book and, and the benefit I think people listening uh, will, 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 will get from that. But also, I think about how I'm spending my time throughout the day uh, every day, how I work with teams. And I, I think that that is a really important thing to remember. Um, so I, I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, as we start to wrap up here, I mean, there's a lot in the book and, and I, I say this on almost every episode, um, that, you know, it's just important that, that people explore the, the, the content, um, you know, I'll definitely share, uh, the, your website in the show notes and, and, and people can begin to ex explore, um, your work as, as well as, um, find easy ways to, to find your book. Um, but we can't cover everything here. And, um, I, and I we do dove notice, into the, we dove in on the deep end, Kevin. We, we did. We, we absolutely did. Apologies. And, um, yeah. No, it's 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 a great conversation. And I always want to make sure that it's not just my agenda and what I found most interesting. Are there are there things that um, other reactions that you've had to the book and, and to this work that you you want to bring up here? Uh, maybe the question that I didn't answer. I yeah. didn't ask rather. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Thank you. Uh, because the book came about uh, and just want to bring um, Frank in here as well. Um, so much of the theory and the work that shows up, the thought leadership and uh, comes is derived from the work and training that we do. Um, Frank um, took the load of really making it real. Um, 
in terms of book form. So just kudos to him. And we keep on talking about that uh, the book actually was written by the system that is uh, Marita and Frank. And then towards the end of the book, uh, we were sitting there and suddenly realizing that actually, no, it was so much more than Marita and Frank. It was every interview like this. It was every student who came back and go, no, but what? I mean, everything is a systemic event. It's never just one person. Um, and I think that's part of what what's the strongest feedback that we're getting. Uh, and the book actually came about because we interviewed 30-plus uh, 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 leaders who have done our training in different uh, cultures about the impact of this approach to their leadership. And the single biggest impact that got reported by everybody was the relaxation that it was no longer, when they got into this, it became clear that it is not just their job. It is a team effort. It is, and when we look at sport and we look at music and we we can see how it's, it's you know, you may play the same symphony, but depending on who the, the orchestra is that plays it, it will come across differently. Um, there are multiple soccer teams and whatever, but each one of them has their unique identity. And unless they play together in that, it isn't just a one-man show. So I think that once this began to land in the teams and the people that uh, they were leading, it created a huge outbreath for everyone. I think that's the strongest feedback that we were getting. Um, the, the relief to know that it is systemic, um, the inspiration for change and evolution and solution is systems inspired. It's not and it comes sometimes from the most unusual directions and people. Mm. Yeah, I love that. I, I I think it's 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 kind of ironic as as well. I I think that you know to um, I, I think some reactions uh, to other kinds of leadership content might be just more anxiety or more urgency or more um, crap. These are all the things I'm doing wrong um, with my leadership style, or what our organization is 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 doing wrong, or how immature we are. And I I I would agree. I would I think that my my reaction to the book was also one of, you know, just hey, this is an opportunity for a little bit of um, just leaning into what what occurs naturally in in an organization and and letting it reveal itself to use the, the language in your book. Um, and I, I think that um, even though we're dealing with, um, you know, wicked problems, very complex issues, we do ourselves a disservice if we um, don't allow for that space in our problem solving. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the last thoughts that I want to bring here is one of the challenges with books is the moment it's written, it's already outdated. Uh, there's a, there's coming from all of this uh, that we don't talk about in the book, but that has been such a big guidepost for me over during 
my life is, and that's what I want to leave people with as well, is particularly in the chaos of today, I systemic thinking is so close to and linked uh, with quantum physics and, and things like that. Um, but for me, one of the things that's really critical to remember at the moment and to look at is the law of non-locality and parallel process. Parallel process, if I can sit with my team and at the moment just pause and say, how is what is happening with us in this moment in time? How is that happening outside in the world as well? And just, just parallel process. There's a version of what is happening here that's happening out there as well. Now, if we, from looking there, come back to how can we work with what sits on our table, just the, the ability to look out and see sometimes change the view on my own. Um, and if we then bring that together with, uh, the law of non-locality is that to the extent that we face the same challenges that is out there, to the extent that we can work with it effectively here, the law of non-locality states that it will already be different elsewhere as well. So we may not solve the world's problems, but how do we really focus on that which is ours to do and know? that our efficacy, the positivity that we bring to it, the solutions that we bring already changes things in other places that we may never ever be aware of. So there's just something about that uh, that I think is really important to remember because everybody walks in carrying the burden of what is happening in the press and on the streets and it begins to be collapsed with what's happening on my team. So, uh, it's an expression that is similar but very different from what is it. So that kind of stuff is really important. And that's part of the pause that we need to bring. Well, thank you for bringing that up. I think that's a really important um, point and, and piece of advice. So I, I, I love that you brought that up as we, as we wrap this up here. Um, so I do want to thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. Um, and the listeners uh, who I, I, I know will really appreciate. Um, there's so much richness in the book and, and so many um, practical uh, pieces of, of uh, in, I won't say instruction. It's not an instruction book. It, it's, 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 a, it's kind of a guidebook. It, it allows us to sort of um, imagine what um, this kind of leadership could look like in our own organizations. I think um, that's what it did for me. Um, so I really want to thank you so much for for sharing that, um, sharing with, with you know through the book, through your work, and and here uh, today with me. Fantastic! Thank you so much for the opportunity and for the wide circles that we walked and ran uh, in getting some of this out. And thank you. Parallel process, the things that we talk about and make some difference in here already make some difference somewhere else. So thank you for I, that. I agree. You, well, you are welcome. This is Kevin Lindsay, and you've been listening to my conversation with Marita Friton on her fantastic book, uh, Systems Inspired Leadership, How to Tap Collective Wisdom to Navigate Change, Enhance Agility, and Foster Collaboration. I, I really encourage listeners to, to check the book out. And um, 
until next time, um, uh, this is goodbye. And I look forward to another episode here on systems and cybernetics soon. Bye-bye.